So, welcome to another episode of Observe and Report. Um, this is one of our offbeat episodes mm-hmm. where we're not going to talk about the regular things we talk about, where we've seen things and talk about them. Um, in recent memory, at least, we are uh, going to be a little more off the cuff, I guess, and talk about just certain topics. Certain topics. Uh, in this episode, I guess we're going to be focusing a bit more on just like taste, our tastes, and the formation of our tastes. And, you know, I feel like for everyone, uh, it's always a changing thing. We're always changing people. We see things that change us, and it's a dynamic relationship with the world. But that being said, there's like a certain age or a certain time in our lives where we kind of like figure out, oh, yeah, I like this thing. I'm into this kind of thing, and this is what I want to do, and this is what I want to be a part of. This is what represents me. And I always feel like, you know, that happens like around adolescence, like around 12 or 13, and like. Not that that is you for the rest of your life, but it kind of helps inform a lot of what you like, you know? Um, I know for me around that time, like a big thing I started getting into was uh, comics. Like mm, for okay. me, like that was not a revolutionary thing. I had comics when I was a kid, but like the access to them, like uh, about a, a few blocks away, but a few blocks, probably like half a mile from my school was uh, a comic book store called the Fortress of Solitude. That's uh, pretty great. It's a pretty good name, <laughs> yeah. comic book store. Um, prior to that, it was called like in like the early the early nineties, called like Renaissance City Books. Oh boy! Um, but Fortress of Solitude is a much better name. Way better. Um, but having the ability to go there, like you know, after school, um, if I didn't have an activity, or the ability to, uh, you know, just go there and check out what's going on, and at that age like 13 14 like it was such a different i didn't know like that comics had changed at that time i was expecting to see like you know characters and like yellow and blue spandex jump around off the page and doing stuff but it's like oh why are you x-men wearing black leather jackets like somebody die (laughs) but what i didn't realize is like at that time comics were being influenced by the films that were being made, made from them. Of note, we should put a timestamp on that. In when you were like 13, 14, it was like, like 2001, 2000, yeah. 2002, around mm-hmm. there. Um, and yeah, comics had like started to take on or at least be influenced by like the things that were successful related to them. So at that time, like, you know, the X-Men wore like black leather jackets. and So it's more like sexy, man. <laughs> Yeah, nailed it, Smith. Let me tell you, Way searching for X Men on the internet at like thirteen provided very different information oh, no. than, than what you wanted. <laughs> Your computer was filled with viruses. <laughs> I just want to learn about Wolverine. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, Mom, it's not what it what it looks like. No, I was looking for Cyclops, but then I found these other Cyclopses. No, <laughs> much different one-eyed monsters. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I'd be googling and be like, "Yes, this is exactly what you think, Mom. <laughs> I am a pervert." <laughs> um, so yeah, like I would say that that was a, a the start of things where it's like, oh, this is not something that every kid in school is like doing. Like, it's only a couple of us, like you know, from different class years that were, like would go and check it out and be into that kind of thing. Superheroes weren't what they are now. They're not. They weren't as popular then as they are now. They've but all- you did have a crew. They're, yeah, they're super. What I can only imagine <laughs> the coolest kids who are into these things with you. Yes, there are That's a few good. other kids that like definitely like into like comics and like knowing what was going on in nice. the world of comics at that time. No one knew like okay, they're going to like definitely make movies off of this stuff. Like at that time, like 
X-Men 2 was about to come out. Oh, okay. And in your head, everything works in threes. Like, oh, there mm-hmm. were like three Batman movies. There are going to be three um, X-Men movies, three Spider-Man movies. I'm like, that'll be it. They'll be done. This thing that I like will have had its time in the sun, and it's over. Boy, was I wrong. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely had my head like, I could super collect all these DVDs and movies. I'm like, <laughs> that'll be it. It'll be cool. I'll be able to have these for the rest of my life, and that'll be it. You'd be broke now. <laughs> all that shit. Oh, my God. Terrible depreciating investments. That wouldn't. Oh my god! Yeah. Why did? How did Jason lose his house? He just had to have the <laughs> new Henry Cavill as Superman. <laughs> Fucking. I gotta have the steelbook Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> They're only gonna make up so many of these. <laughs> like yeah. So at the time, it's like oh yeah, like this is this is absolutely like you know. Were you excited for those when they came out? Oh, hell, well, the other the films that were going, coming out at the time? Yeah. Absolutely, because it was like, oh, this thing that I like, like, I never thought I'd live to see in all my 13 years <laughs> an X-Men movie. Aww. Get out of town. I remember the first time I saw an advertiser or something like that. It was like uh, literally walking on Main Street in the city I grew up in, and, like, there was a bus set pass that just said, like, had X and, like, the, the X-Men, like, danger room door or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, like, light coming through it. And, like, you saw, like, what the X-Men, like, walking out. I was like, the f- Did you no. say danger room? Yes. I don't know why I nodded as if I knew what the hell you were talking oh, about. Oh, that's, like, uh, in... So, in the X-Men movies, the room where the uh, X-Men train or whatever. Oh, okay. Um, they and call I, it the danger room? Yes. Yes, they did. They're so cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember seeing that on a bus and, like, just being like, what? no, that can't be... I can't be the thing. No, no, that's impossible. In, right? Am I in a dream? <laughs> and then, like, I remember just, like, trying, because you, you didn't have, like, access to, like, Variety.com at the time. <laughs> I like that that would be a <laughs> go-to <laughs> What are they saying in the sheets? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you kind of have to, like, figure and, like, understand, like, uh, you got to say what that is. I don't know what that is. I'm 13. I need to know what that is. And you hear, like, oh, you see a commercial. You see, like, a trailer, like, there's an X-Men movie, and I'm alive for it? Oh, happy day. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, is that Cyclops shooting the thing out of his eyes? The guy has the knives in the hands! <laughs> <laughs> and just, like, yeah, the revelation that this, this thing... A series of exciting little <laughs> asthma attacks. This thing that I like that wasn't, like... Power Rangers successful, like mm-hmm. Pokemon successful. That was just like a Saturday morning cartoon, like for that lasted for like five years or something like that, or, or four years, and that people enjoyed and liked. And like it wasn't even Batman big, which was like a huge thing. It was like yeah, the X Men cartoon, people know it. It's pretty good, but I loved it. It was amazing. So a thing that I didn't think would be a thing, like it's a thing. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm into this. I'm 100 percent into this. Like I'm, I'm, I've been down since day one, and this is the confirmation of my downness. <laughs> so yeah, that was like a big influential thing. Like when the things that you like that were niche started to become mainstream, and you don't even know what mainstream is just yet. You just know right. that you liked it, and like a lot of other people liked it. And yeah, that like started to influence other things that I liked down the line. Nice. But yeah, how about yourself? And so far as like you know things like helped. Um, form your tastes you talking about that made me scribble down a couple of things mm-hmm. um i think we've talked about it before but i think when i was 
I don't even know. I don't have to guess because I can just ask you the human encyclopedia <laughs> slash imdb.com. Um, when did the first Lord of the Rings movie come out? That was 2001. Nailed it. You're right. <laughs> um, that was, unlike you, I didn't even realize that that was something that I would enjoy. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind. Let me tell you, I didn't know either. I know. Oh, yeah. We did talk about this. It melted my little brain. And I think, because I didn't realize up until like when you're kids... At least for when the programming that was on when we were young, you're basically watching a lot of like fantasy stuff. I was not into like Disney princess stuff. Mm-hmm. I was more into animal stuff, and so much of what we watched was kind of fantastical. Like even Muppet Babies, like they're recreating crazy yes, movie movies. scenes, which I did not realize when I was a kid because I was dumb. <laughs> My parents thought I was going to be a dumb dumb. <laughs> they really did. Um, like, oh, she's good thing she's cute. <laughs> um, and like the show dinosaurs, and when they did the remake, the like '90s remake of Land of the Lost, I mm-hmm. love that shit. And so I didn't realize that until I got older that I was taking in mostly like fantasy, sci-fi type stuff. Mm-hmm, like, yeah, like these aren't real people in real spaces dealing right. with real issues necessarily. Right. Like these are fantastical situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Lord of the Rings came out, that was kind of the turning point in the intro, I think to recognizing that like oh i like this stuff Mm -hmm. and now i'm gonna go look into it more and find other stuff that's similar to this okay um i think that was a real big one it just kind of opened my eyes okay like the awakening like this it it begins issue one (laughs) (laughs) a little bit the only (laughs) thing before that that i watched when i was too young to be watching was the Mm x-files um because my parents were never into this stuff either. Mm-hmm. So it was just me kind of stumbling onto this stuff by myself. Um, and it was super... That show was really weird. It was a weird show. Yeah, it had a lot of weird episodes. Yeah. A lot of like darker things. Super dark. But it was like on primetime television on Sunday nights. So it's yeah. like... <laughs> I'm surprised it lasted as long as it did. Um, so I think that might have been a turn into that type of stuff that I didn't even realize was happening. Mm-hmm. Um because I was watching that when I was like nine or ten. It's usually when I should not have been watching it, mm-hmm. um, and it was really cool. And it's one of the only times I've straight up lied to my father. <laughs> and he asked me if I should be watching it, and I just was like, "Yeah, <laughs> this is fine. This is required watching." Actually, <laughs> my teacher told me, "Hey, watch the X Files. It's on past your it's bedtime, about and it's real weird." Files. <laughs> <laughs> X is a letter in the alphabet. School, sir. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that stuff was kind of that stuff was big. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I didn't realize, even though I watched a ton of SNL and um, I watched a lot of Kids in the Hall when I was a kid, mm-hmm. before I even necessarily knew what was funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but when The Office came on, when we were like freshmen in college. I was like, oh, this is this is exactly my sense of humor. Um, I've never seen anything like this before. Mm-hmm. And that opened a lot of kind of comedy doors for me that I didn't know were there. Mm. Um, I would say like the, the age of like 13, 14, like that's a big transition time. Like you're leaving like middle school, going to high school, probably <sighs> going to a high school where you don't know anyone. Mm-hmm. Where you don't have the same friends you had like for the last eight years of your life, kind of. 
so like it was interesting going there and discovering what other people were into what other people were not into and also being in the situation of like in an all boys school was what I went to. Oh, yes. So it's interesting of like, you know, what people are just like open about what they're like or sometimes just like kind of hiding what they're like. But I think across the board, no matter what kind of school you went to, like there's this, there's this posturing of like, I don't like this kid stuff. Like, yeah. I don't watch cartoons or like so for some people really do just like ditch that stuff when they're like 13, 14. I totally get that. But like for me, it was like, uh, I'm still a kid. Um, oh, yeah. I have like few other responsibilities outside of school. Really, like you know, like I uh, when I go home from here, I'm I'm gonna watch some cartoons. I'm uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so like having access to cable and having access to things like uh, like Toonami, which was a cartoon block on Cartoon Network that showed like action cartoons, action cartoons, and like Japanese cartoons. Mm. And there was little venue for that, a little like avenue to see that stuff, unless you're like buying videotapes or DVDs at that time. I'm 14. I don't have money. I'll take what you give me on TV for free. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but being able to see this stuff that I think a lot of guys and girls my age that did watch that, like, have like this kind of like not secondhand nature, but like this unspoken language of like, if you did see those things, like the, the Dragon Ball Z's and like the Roroni Kenshin's and like, the uh Yu Haka shows, you're able to like just have the secondhand language where it's just like, Yeah, you saw that, heck yeah, I saw that. Do you remember this thing? Remember this music? Remember this like moment? And it's just kind of fun to be able to connect with people now at this age and they're able to recall that stuff. And like I feel like we live in a time where like nostalgia is very big and oh, like yeah. you know, where we're able to look we can actually look back and enjoy the things that we have. Didn't they just put out a channel where you can watch like all sorts of old Nickelodeon shows or something? Uh, I think that's existed for a, a bit of time, but that's it's all weird. available. A lot of it's available like on Hulu and all that stuff. Oh, like wow. You can watch all of Doug if you wanted to. Why? <laughs> Why would you do that? The sweater we- vest wearing kid. It's just, it has to be so bad. Let it just has to be so bad. I watched a couple episodes. Oh my God. Um, they found their niche <laughs> audience. The quality doesn't hold up. Yeah, it's like a little rough, like as far as like animation wise. Oh yeah, that's fair. But he was like Charlie Brown for me, kind of. Oh yeah, he really was. He was like this kind of like down on his luck loser, but like he dealt with like just everyday problems, kind of. Like I like this girl, I don't know how to talk to her. Don't like petty mayonnaise. <laughs> like. Oh man, like I broke this thing. I hope my neighbor can help me out because he like likes to buy like very expensive things. Hope he pull me out of this jam. Like, oh man, I gotta have this speech in front of my class at school. Like, they're able to like relate these kid problems in a way that was just like not extra fantastical. Like it was a cartoon, but sometimes Doug didn't need to be a cartoon. I guess like yeah. this could be just done with regular people in a classroom, just dealing with some stuff in a semi funny way. Mm. Um, but. Yeah, that being said, like, you know, I think nostalgia is, like, super huge right now and has been for a while. Um, it's weird to think of a time where I guess people weren't or aren't. Yeah. Um, and I guess that'll change, too, where people won't care so much about what they had as a kid because adulthood can be so hard sometimes. Yeah. It's nice to have that comfort. But, yeah, there'll come a time where you, you won't be able to look or I won't be able to look on it as a source of, like, relief, maybe, you know? So... I try to enjoy the things that I saw as a kid um, or 
at least appreciate them for what they were understanding that like you know they may not hold up things now at all but understanding that for the time and for who i was like yeah those were good that was fine what were some of your favorite shows as a kid um so many shows um of course you had all your nickelodeon stuff you had your pete and pete's oh pete and pete um which was wonderful and weird that's a weird show enjoyably so like l cool j's your principal that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I barely remember that show. Yeah. Like, it was, yeah. Like, Ella Cool J was her principal one episode. Um, That's amazing. Having Toby Huss as Artie, the strongest man in the world. As like, oh, yeah, this is my best friend, Artie. He's a grown man, but he's also the strongest man in the world. Also, like, a 14-year-old kid with a tattoo with of a lady. A full forearm tattoo yeah. of, like, a dancing lady. Yeah, totally. Of course. Petunia. Um, so, yeah, that was, like, a very odd surrealistic show but like it was weird because like they would shoot things it was like oh that looks kind of like where i live because it was kind of where i lived <laughs> like it was literally two towns over oh really like they did something at a, at a mall one time i was like that looks like the willowbrook mall i guess it's not i guess a lot of malls look like that it's the only mall i've ever been to it was just the willowbrook mall because <laughs> <laughs> it just never dawned on me like oh yeah you shoot movies in hollywood like not in new jersey why would you do that you can't do that. <laughs> but um, that was a big favorite of mine. Of course, things like The Simpsons, uh, huge oh, influence yeah. on me and my sense of humor and what I like and what I think is fun and funny. Um, what else? Uh, I talked about, of course, X-Men as an action cartoon. The Spider-Man cartoon, which was people deride it, but it is, I think, pretty quality writing. Um, I don't remember any of these things. It's, they would have like long-winded, like Stanley style chapter titles, like Sins of the Father, Chapter 14, <laughs> The Neogenic Nightmare. Like, cool, man. What are we doing this episode? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> um, that show was super cool. That show helped to introduce the idea of Blade as a movie, which was kind of cool. Um, it had elements... Things like uh, characters that appear in the movie that appeared in no other comic book and all that stuff. But that's beside the point. Um, enjoyed Spider-Man, enjoyed X-Men, enjoyed uh, like a lot of off-brand syndicated shows like Biker Mice from Mars. We had very different childhoods. Yeah. And so, but these are all cartoons that I watched. I'm talking a lot about the cartoons that I watched as a kid. Biker Mice from Mars? They were... It, the, their description is in the title. They were mice that were bikers from mars that came are they human size or bi- oh they're human sized oh no that's terrifying <laughs> oh no they are human sized um why were they here to help us why else with what to defend against uh the evil carbuncle and his machinations in detroit oh they specifically protected detroit duh i don't know why i didn't realize it's <laughs> very obvious from the title um syndicated things like street sharks oh street sharks the description is in the title (laughs) that was fun (laughs) these are all of course like ninja turtles ripoffs that like lasted a season but still memorable in my mind because they made those toys like crazy yeah it was like we'll make the toys we'll make a show around the toys we'll figure it out later like get the product out and figure out everything else later Making weirdly muscular sharks. It shouldn't have a shark that muscular. It just feels like not right, but also was a cool toy. Well, it's just like weirdly sexualizing sharks. <laughs> and I feel like I was maybe a little bit into it as a kid. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Not realizing. <laughs> Ooh, here's a question for mm-hmm. you. Um, 
Ooh, that was ooh. Um, <laughs> did you ever? And I think there have been revelations about this. Um, and I feel like you may have judged me for this before, Jason. <laughs> um, have a crush on like cartoon characters? Yeah, like as a kid, of course. Like who? What? Jessica Rabbit as a, as a it's child. It's always Jessica Rabbit. It's is like, it just? Is it the boobs? I guess it's the everything, the voice, the, and all. That. I was like, wow, like the, there's this. I'm a, I'm a boy, and this is what I like. This is this is for me. This is for me. Um, yeah, like that definitely like struck chords. Even though those chords shouldn't have been struck at like five. Oh no! <laughs> like, it's like, oh wow, that's that's a pretty lady. I guess. Was that it? Just Jessica Rabbit? Um, I guess. Um, that was mine. I guess. I feel like I had many. <laughs> obviously the fo- robin hood in the robin hood movie the fox i feel like uh, that that strikes a chord for like a lot he's of ladies so out there. charming <laughs> he can sing he's romantic mm-hmm. um who else did i like um what were the other things out at the time oh simba he's <laughs> voiced mm-hmm. by jonathan taylor thomas who i wrote a letter to <laughs> So between that voice... Did he uh, stamp with like a paw print of like Simba? No, I wrote to the real Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Did he stamp it with a paw print like no. Simba? I would have been happy with the that. The question though. still stands. <laughs> it was a stamp of his signature. <laughs> um, who else? A lock of his bowl cut included. I would have loved <laughs> a lock of that sweet, sweet mushroom cut. I'm not joking. <laughs> that would have made me so happy as a child. I read a lot of Tiger Beat and Bop. Tiger Beat, Teen Beat, Bop. Um, Teen Beat, fuck off. <laughs> Tiger Beat's where it's at. And then movie Wild America just felt like, oh, so good. we need to go <laughs> for Devin the hearts Sawa and minds and of 13-year-old JTT girls. And one film can I even handle it? And Answer, yes, I could and I did. Who was the other kid? Lucas Hedges or something like that? Like, no. Jo- was it a Jonathan somebody? No, it was... Um, they managed to get, like... Was it, it wasn't Barry What's-His-Face. It wasn't Barry Pepper. It, I, I wasn't thinking Barry Pepper, <laughs> you idiot. I was thinking Barry from... Was it... It wasn't Party of Five. It was the other one. Scott Wolf. No. Oh, Seventh Heaven? Yeah, that one. And I don't think it was that kid. Um, what's it called? Wild America? Mm-hmm. Um, Classic. <laughs> I think Devin Saw takes the shirt off at one point, and I lost my mind. Mm-hmm. Oh, look how cute they were. Scott Bearstow? I recognize his face, but I don't know if he's been in anything else. <laughs> Ugh, such good stuff. But I feel like other things that like help form like my love of things like science fiction, mm-hmm. outside of like comic books and all that stuff. Um, the I would I will talk about the obscure things that I guess people may resonate less with, but they were big for me. Things like Babylon Five. I feel like I heard a lot about it when I was younger, but I never knew what it was. I cannot bring myself to look at what an episode would look like today. <laughs> I think it would look super cheap and outdated and rough. I'm sure. But it was super influential on me insofar as like liking things that were science fiction based. Like it had this huge sweeping story involving dozens of characters, like taking place over years. And like What was the general plot? The general plot was uh the space station Babylon five was like home to 
all these various cultures um, that, and the, the space station is like a mile long, containing like thousands of people inside of it. But essentially, in a galaxy that was at like you know war, this is like hey, this is a safe space. This is, we can have diplomacy here. It's a show a lot about diplomacy. Oh, that sounds riveting. <laughs> um, and it's everyone kind of like after having completed like some kind of war like they were humans and like their enemies that like came from the stars they just literally we almost had a war over not being able to understand each other and at the very last minute it was stopped and then like oh we're gonna we're gonna talk about this and then like you know this other race where it's like well we actually enslaved this other race that's also at this table right there hey guys remember us we enslaved you for like hundreds of years and they're like hey fuck off (laughs) like we remember what you did that wasn't that long ago we are not happy about it And just like all these other different races sitting at a table trying to discuss how do we get along as life in this galaxy. And you watch this as a child? I watch this as a child. Oh my god, that sounds so boring for it a kid. It was so fun. It was so good. What? How old were you? I was like 10. Oh boy. It was. It would come on right after uh, The Adventures of Lois and Clark. Um, the New Adventures of Superman with Dean Cain and Terry Hatcher. fucking love that show. <laughs> We used to go away for the weekend and then we'd come back and I would badger my dad so much to be like, we got to get back in time for Lois and Clark <laughs> to the point that he'd be like, all right, relax. You're, you're going to miss it too bad. I'd be like, no. Like it was the end of the fucking world. Because I loved that show because Dean Cain was so handsome. <laughs> Hawaiian Superman. Like He's Hawaiian? A half Hawaiian, I believe. I like that you know anything about my man Dean King. <laughs> he Old went to DC. Princeton University. Oh, so smart. <laughs> um, yeah, like uh, I, I really enjoyed that show as well. But um, it was like the one-two punch. I was like, hey, I gotta, I gotta dust off this homework and tie this up real fast. Like, I want to finish this homework up. Luckily, split. Battle on five is on, five is on tonight. And guess what? Start of the Shadow War. All right, I gotta be there for that. Oh, God. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I just remember like just blazing through like and finishing things up like really fast like being on top of that shit like i gotta get this done i can't be distracted right now i need to finish this up <laughs> your math problems just progressively make less and less <laughs> just tossing out numbers <laughs> whatever it's done it's like nope like i make sure this is all right i make sure it's good done cool what's going on babylon 5 oh my God. um but yeah that was a big influence on me things like uh star trek voyager which i know there are people out there re- twisted in their seats it was my first star trek sorry nerds why is that a bad one um it's, it's considered not bad but just not as strong as next generation or deep space nine these were the star treks of the 90s basically um is it because of the writing the acting um the writing kind of but the, their circumstances and stakes like um next generation was like a lot like the original star trek we're exploring discovering new worlds people's places and like you know um, the Borg was a big part of that um, as well, which was like a long-lasting uh, set of characters. Okay. Deep Space Nine was also a show about diplomacy. Oh, God. <laughs> and coming to the table and figuring out, like, you know, we are all here together. How do we work to make this all better? And Voyager was all about being lost in space. That um, sounds more interesting. It's like, hey, like, you are a crew of like the Enterprise. What if we threw you all the way on the other side of the galaxy where there's no federation there's no lifelines there's no anything figure it out and get back home oh god and the whole crux of the series after a while becomes all about that like the last three seasons of the show is like 
well, we are stuck out here, lost, and we are trying our best to get back home, but we do not know if we'll make it there in time. Meaning, like, we may die out here. Oh, no. And we'll never get back. Um, and it was the first Star Trek to feature, like, a female captain. Ooh, um, nice. And it was like... <laughs> and she got them lost. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't her fault, exactly. Oh, okay, they kind of, okay. like, threw them to the wayside. Um, but yeah, it was just, it was something where I was like, every week I gotta be here for this. Like, I gotta know what's going on. I, I'm invested in these characters and their circumstances and their relationships. And yeah, it's like, this space, cool. What's going on? Wow. Way to be invested at a young age <laughs> in such deep stuff. <laughs> I don't, I don't feel like I was. Because I feel like in those kinds of shows, like in science fiction, like it's the hook of like, hey, lasers and like mm. fights, but also we're going to try to like engage in some heavier issues here. Mm. And Star Trek has always been good about that insofar as like, well, we're going to use this episode to talk about racism yeah. and what that means. And <coughs> excuse me, for a kid, I don't know, you're not really getting that watching Magic School Bus. You're learning hey. about science. Hey. <laughs> sure. You lay off. <laughs> And there's nothing wrong with the Magic School Bus. It's a great show, a very educational show. I love that show. But I think at that age of like nine or ten. You were learning about diplomacy (laughs) and racism. And I was like, oh, we're in the human body. (laughs) And like little boats in the red blood cells. This is fun. I also to watch that too. Um, Yeah, that was, was, I think those two shows, science fiction-wise. Were things that got me into watching or wanting to see more spacey things. I don't. Is there anything else that really influenced me? I don't know that there was. Um, I think I got into podcasts because of Ricky Gervais. Interesting. Kind of a tangential, but um, I I don't even remember how I got into his show or learned about him. Maybe from the British Office. Maybe, but I don't think I knew it because I was listening to his podcast when I was like 14, 15, 16, before podcasts were really a thing. Hmm. Um, and I think they had already been, they might have been done already, but I was listening to like old episodes or whatever. And that got me into like Nerdist. And then from there got me into like a lot of different comedians and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it really kind of opened up a whole new avenue about comedy that I didn't really know about. Mm-hmm. Like, um, my introduction, my introduction to podcasting, um, was probably in 2008, um, in college, uh, looking at like just a video game website and they're like, Hey, we have a podcast. Like, listen to it. I was like, well, I've heard of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> what pray tell do you discuss on these <laughs> podcasts? Uh, it's called, uh, talk radar, um, which is a part of like the games radar website. And it was just like these five guys that lived in San Francisco that wrote for this uh, games website that would just talk about like games in a funny way. Like I never heard anyone just like be funny and irreverent like about talking about video games and all that stuff. And they would also talk about their own lives and like the ridiculousness of like living in San Francisco as it was changing, mm. as it was becoming less like, you know, hey, this is a city where like people live and more like this is a city where tech people live. Yeah. And how just like the struggles of like getting edged out of that and like how their jobs are changing because of it and like it was like oh like this is like kind of cool it's i feel this kinship and like friend i feel these are friends that live that i've never met (laughs) and will never meet me um so it was like interesting like hearing that and like through that i was like oh i guess there's other things out there 
Like, what does Ricky Gervais have to say? Pay for a podcast? <laughs> Scoff. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I totally did. <laughs> the annoying thing is iTunes now, it's not. It's no longer like in my iTunes library. I don't know with every like iteration of iTunes, at some point it just like tossed it out, which pisses me off. Well, I mean, did they like Rude. remove their stuff from iTunes? I did Ricky Gervais from my it? library. Huh. Yeah. Rude. Interesting. Very rude. Um, but yeah, that was a big avenue into comedy and like listening to... Um, the guys on Nerdist talking about different stuff that they were into. I was like, oh, um, what is this Doctor Who that they're talking about? And then I got super into Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it led to a lot of different avenues of interest that I didn't necessarily realize I even had. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would do interviews with people I'd never heard of. And then I would, you know, they did one with Richard Iwade. And then a couple years later, I started watching like Travel Man and stuff. And it's a really great show. Um it really opens stuff up for me. Mm. I feel like other podcasts that I listen to, like that I got into post uh, talk radar um, through like friends, was like uh, Smodcast, which is Kevin Smith's podcast. Yes, which is basically just him and a friend like this sitting down and just talking and BSing and just having a conversation, whether it was guided or not. It was just fun. It was like, oh, this is a nice, different way to enjoy my commute, like to a thing that I don't necessarily want to be at. Like, it's kind of cool. It's like having a, fr- a conversation with friends again. Um, but through that, like, you know, I started learning about other podcasts uh, and other, and like, through com- about comedians and their mm-hmm. own podcasts and whatnot. I remember one of the first ones I listened to um, that I don't really listen to anymore. I don't even know if it exists anymore. Uh, just more stories of Jay Moore. Uh, oh, no way. Yeah. I got a dude that's like well known in comedy, has been like on SNL in the past. Um, but it's just, oh, cool this is like just one guy interviewing people i don't think i've ever listened to this style before and just like experiencing different styles of things and like oh cool this let me know about this comedian like oh what is what does she talk about like oh cool she talks about this like rufus wayne rain right that's a singer okay what does that sound like and just getting more into things like that so it's it's nice to have this branching tree mm. like from podcasts that like throw me into other things um but what always what i find funny though is like the explosion of podcasts and people doing their own like us right now. <laughs> but um, I feel like 2013 was like, or 2014 was a banner year because when um, Serial hit, oh yeah, I think that changed the game for the face of what podcasts were insofar as presenting them as journalism, as a radio show, the it, it feels I don't know if it's true or not. There are probably others. Uh, the birth of true crime on podcasting, which is what I was going to talk about next. Yeah, I. That's one of those things that I had always been into, and I didn't realize it. Mm-hmm. My mom and I would often watch those like super dumb like twenty twenty um, and like Dateline shows mm-hmm. where it's almost always the husband <laughs> kills the wife <laughs> because he had a little side piece and he needed the life insurance policy to buy a mm-hmm. boat. Um, but I'd always been into that stuff and whenever they would like have specials on TV um, and even really kind of when we were, I think when we were like maybe 10 or 11 um, is when I remember like the OJ case, it became, it oh, we was, were younger than that. We were oh, like really? seven, eight. eight. Yeah. Um, it was no longer just a crime thing. It was entertainment mm-hmm. and it was on the TV all the time. Um, 
and stuff like basically tragedies becoming um more entertainment i guess yeah um with big time like murders like that um and so i had uh, i started listening to my favorite murder Mm -hmm. i think someone told me about it um and it's a blend of comedy and true crime mm-hmm. which hadn't really been done before i don't think now there are a million of them yeah um but it's comedy it's true crime but it's also it's, there are some true crime podcasts where it is almost journalism-esque in that they do really deep dives into what happened mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of research and work on there and to present them which is pretty impressive absolutely yeah to tell an interesting story from the facts of like a thing you may have never heard of before yes um and now i'm i'm very picky but um i'm really into them there's one i listen to called small town dicks Mm -hmm. i love it um it's with yardley smith Mm -hmm. who voices lisa simpson uh and a friend of hers and they have friends in real life who are two uh twin brother detectives and so they bring people in and those guys tell stories and other people other um uh like detectives and stuff come in and tell um stories about like their most interesting cases and they do things to protect everyone's privacy mm-hmm. changing names places etc but it's really interesting to hear those stories from a completely different point of view of not mm-hmm. just the victims but what guys have to do and in, in women do in the background to like solve them and stuff i like that you um just getting to learn about all different people and stuff is nice because you're actually hearing it from them as opposed to like reading an article or whatever. Right. And like when it comes to like things like that, um, being able to get into like a thing that is niche, not even niche necessarily, like the true crime stuff is like very mainstream now. Which I don't think people realize because <laughs> it seems very taboo and on the surface disrespectful of I victims guess. and stuff, which I get. Um, but I think most of, if not all, the podcasts and stuff that focus on that are very they very much intend to be respectful and um Mm -hmm. supportive of the victims and their families and stuff because it's weird it's the thing where it's like these are real people and real things happen to them but it's also a matter of public record as well Mm -hmm. like this is all information they're able to find publicly available on the website they're just presenting it and directly to the public and you know if i were someone that like knew someone that was a victim of these crimes and i heard their story reported there I don't know how I'd feel. I would. I would. Maybe totally matter of like being angry or just hoping. Like I just hope they get the facts right. Yes. <laughs> like I would. I would. I would like the thing that I'm in the, the second category of just being like. I just hope they get it right and just tell the story correctly. I find that at least for the couple of podcasts I listen to, they very much root for the people and the good people who are involved. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very hard to balance humor with stuff like that, but they do it in a positive way that keeps things light and makes you want to continue listening and see when there is silliness in there, Mm -hmm. it's highlighted and everyone can kind of breathe a sigh of relief ish and kind of get that tension out. Right. um, But also keep you hooked into the story because some stuff is just, especially like really old timey stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just absurd stuff from like the 1800s where you feel like you can really disconnect Mm -hmm. from it. Like, these people have long passed. Yeah. And related to them as most likely long passed. Like, these are, like, great-great-grandchildren, great-grandchildren at this point that never knew that these people existed, yeah, I guess. Totally. So it's hard to, like, feel personally upset over something like that, I mm-hmm. guess. 
Um, one area of podcasts that I get into that I don't, I have no idea how big it is. Can't be that big. I like listening to the occasional wrestling podcast from now and then. Um, I think they're probably more popular than you imagine. Probably. Um, Whenever they show um, like clips from big wrestling shows and mm-hmm. stuff, the crowds are always packed. It's yeah. a bajillion people. Absolutely. Um, the ones I like to listen to, there are people that, you know, have never really worked in the industry that like record them. I listen to a couple of those, like, you know, um, and they are good. But the ones I th- I find myself gravitating to the most are ones actually hosted by people that were in the business totally. at one point in time. Because it's very interesting to hear like the behind the scenes stuff or like, well, let me tell you what's going on that night. <laughs> and here's like, you know, my perspective on it as someone that was actually in the in the ring at the time and like this is what happened to me so he totally blew part his kneecap there but we finished that match and oh, here's gosh. how we did it <laughs> like or just hearing like you know what it's like to be on the road and like you know to live that insane travel schedule of like well we're traveling about you know 210 days a year so oh we're going from God. like you know, from this place to this place to this place so we're in brazil last night we're going to be in osaka tomorrow and then from osaka we're going to like los angeles los angeles brazil to osaka. <laughs> that's a trip jason oh dear god I, I but there was a guy who like on a podcast i'm like okay so I was in China last night. From China, we flew to Australia. From Australia, we went to... I was in Chile. Oh, my God. I got a call that a guy was sick and he could not perform that night. I had to fly back to America <sighs> to be there on Sunday night to do this thing. Oh, my God. Like, it is an insane schedule. And yeah, just, like, no. to hear someone, like, talk about, like, it was, like, running through the hallway in, like, Home Alone. Like, I did not think I was going to make that plane. <laughs> and just, like, hearing those stories, like, huh, interesting. So that's how that went down. Or, like... I saw this awkward thing that happened the one time. Yeah, it was awkward because this is what happened. <laughs> like, oh, interesting. Um, so it's very interesting to hear the like, directly from the people that like participated in the events. Mm. It's it, it's in an age now where like everything is like fair play for talking about. Because for a long time in that business, it's like you couldn't talk about anything to anyone that wasn't in the business. Oh, so it's like we have to. We all agree. That we're keeping this all a secret, right? Like, if people believe this is a real fight, they believe it's a real fight. Well, that's on them. Oh. Like, we're not saying it's not. Like, this is all kayfabe, is what they call it. Like, this is all under the curtain of this idea that, yeah, it's real. Wink. Like, but now it's like, nah, it's all, you know, this is, it's, it's a stage fight. But it's not like we're not putting ourselves at risk here. Like, of yeah. course, like, falling down five feet onto like you know a canvas mat with wood underneath it hurts like it's not a we're not you know joking about that that's you can't pull wires there these are things happening to our body and it's just interesting to hear people talk about it at this point interesting to hear people from other perspectives too like hey i'm a writer i used to be a writer and like this is a podcast i have about like you know my time there the uh redhead guy yeah matt mccarthy and we watch wrestling podcasts like um yeah like they talk about about his time there and like what it was like and like the how insanity of working in a place like that and how yeah. miserable he was and it was his dream job <laughs> yeah uh but then talking about like, some good times that he had and like mm-hmm. meeting good people and like yeah. having like some good experiences there and like how it kind of like helped to bolster his love for it again after having left mm-hmm. um so that's like fun to hear and f- through these things you get to hear about new people that you never would have otherwise so it's like oh cool like it's expanding my knowledge of a thing that i like um so yeah it's 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 nice to have that in podcasts um and there are certainly things i wanted to challenge myself with you know we're talking a lot about what we like and what influences us but there are things like i want to branch out and like experience i guess like influence wise like through movies and tv and podcasts and all that stuff 
But where do you find the time? Where do you find the time? Well, if I stop watching Father Brown and you stop watching Naruto or whatever, <laughs> there's a decent amount of time there. At least for me, several hours. Uh, yes. Yes, there'd be several hours available for that. Um, yeah, I mean, and even now, we'll look back at like this five years from now, ten years from now, just be like, I remember the good places on. Man, what a show that was. I think things like The Office at this point have that kind of power where oh, it's just totally. like it has become this American classic where people are able to like show an image from the show and someone immediately understands, recognizes, and responds and feels resonant with that image. Oh, yeah. A like, lot of people will still kind of lift it, list it as like one of their favorite shows and mm-hmm. like a good one to kind of go back to when... I think people also have shows that... Um, are their go-tos and like the things that they can kind of relax to their the office and parks and rec are definitely mine and now brooklyn 99 of stuff that you've seen are familiar with that you can kind of put on the background you're definitely not paying attention to it 100 Mm percent but you know it's there and it's good as opposed to stuff that you really have to get into and focus on and um really engage with i guess and pay attention to because we we live in a weird world where it's like because everything is on demand you can just like check it out at any time there used to be a time where it's like if i want to watch the office i gotta buy the office dvds which i definitely own (laughs) at least through season four and the simplicity of like just saying like i'll just throw on the episode like hang out and like do this or whatever if you have the the DVD, you're physically taking it out of, a, out of its case, putting mm-hmm. it in the, the machine, running it, like, you're going to watch it. Like, it is a decision that you are making. Yes. Like, you're not just going to, like, one. have yeah. it running. It's like, no, I made the I made the movements. I'm here to watch this. Um, so, yeah, it's living in the on-demand world that we do now, that we have now, of just, like, being able to press a button and have a thing run. It's weird. We kind of separate ourselves from, like, that, that it's even a... Uh, a hard action or like it is a very there's a distinct line of passive and active viewing yes that i think everyone relates to and when you say like oh what is your like what's your like fallback show or whatever everyone knows exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. um which is kind of weird and not something it's a relatively new idea yes um i certainly don't think that even 10 years ago people like participate in that idea of like Oh, if I'm be watching Seinfeld, I'm I have the DVDs. I'm gonna watch like you know these four episodes, and then like you know go go do something else. What is your fallback show? Do you have any? Uh, yeah, I would say so. Um, I th- for for a while the Office is in the rotation. Mm-hmm. I would say American. Um, what's that? American Office. American Office. Yeah. Um, I definitely think that uh. Had I access to all the Simpsons, mm-hmm. like uh, through that FX app, I would, de- yes, 100%. But I don't. Um, King of the Hill has recently become a, a oh, fallback Oh, that's show. right. Your King of the Hill <laughs> spiel. Comfortable, <laughs> warm blanket. <laughs> God damn. Um, yeah, that is definitely one of the fallback shows. Seinfeld on Hulu. Really? Oh, absolutely. Um, that was a, a big show growing up as well. But like, definitely a fallback show where I could throw it on at any point at any time. Let it run. Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a big one. I feel there should be more HBO shows that I put in there, but I treat those with they're very intense. Yeah, like I 
I can't gotta watch it. Just toss on the wire. <laughs> doesn't oh, work God. like that for me. <laughs> I'm doing that. I'm watching the wire. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it doesn't work as well with dramas. I feel like the idea of like having a fallback show happens it has to be lighter. Yeah, like where it doesn't matter if you didn't like get all the joke or anything yeah. like that. Like you can like just kind of like let your mind. There's less of a really hard storyline that you have to follow. Yeah, it's like I can't be so worried about the new copier. <laughs> on the office and like pam trying to figure it out like i'm cool with that that's fine um but you know certain moments i have to like look at like when kevin drops that big pot of chili <laughs> well, like i can't just have it happen in the background like, no 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 let me turn around for this one that's fair. it's a great episode <laughs> um but yeah, like any fallback shows for you outside like Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Office and whatnot. Brooklyn Nine Nine is a new one, and I haven't actually seen. I've only seen a couple seasons of it, so mm-hmm. it's a little more active. But I know that I can. I'm probably going to go back to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's always been Parks and Rec and The Office and Thirty Rock. Mm. Those three, because there's no real hard storylines to follow. They're light. They're not stressful. I'm big. The older I get, the more I'm into just. N- getting rid of stress in my life mm-hmm. and if i watch a drama it's gonna be stressful so let's nix that and just watch light things because i don't want to face reality if i don't have to. <laughs> like i don't mind like getting into like a, a hard drama sometimes but like i feel it's rare it's much rarer for me not to say that i don't enjoy them i do but it's like i want to give you my full attention yes i don't want to have to really invest in it yeah like to like half-ass it this feels like eh, okay like i I just won't do it then i can't i definitely can't do it during the week because i'm too tired to invest during the week it has to be a weekend thing Mm -hmm. even with kiss kiss bang bang um i i think it was a little bit stressful Mm -hmm. because they were like moving a body around and like are they gonna get caught Mm -hmm. i just couldn't deal with it (laughs) so i ended up watching more father brown <laughs> oh it all comes back to father brown oh god um so on that note <laughs> um yeah so this has been our little do you have anything else no i got nothing else for you a little off script episode mm. we're probably gonna do one regular episode and one off script one from here on out every two weeks not that the regular episodes are scripted, just, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, every single word of those <laughs> It is very difficult. We spent hours. Oh, my God. Every week. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, we will catch y'all next time. Bye.